0: This is a Husker Sports Network Originals presented by J-Tech Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Husker Sports Network Originals tell iconic stories from Husker history, featuring insights from the players and coaches who live them. Subscribe to Husker Sports Network on your favorite podcast service. And now, Dreaming Bigger, the story of Nebraska Volleyball.
1: and welcome inside the Sprint Center, downtown Kansas City, Missouri, for the national volleyball semifinals. Number one seed and number one ranked Penn State. 33 and one versus your number five seed and number five ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers, 30 and four.
2: I remember going into the Penn State match feeling like that was the match for the national championship.
3: Swing by a read, good block touch, Huskers digger, now Nebraska Kelly Hunter chooses. Brianna home on the slide. Muscles it through the block. Wood 25-18. Big round in the first. My goodness.
1: The Penn State match in the national semifinal in 2017. Top five match in the history of basketball. volleyball.
3: Good pass on. He left side swing. Yes. Sweet. Yes. Absolutely clutch. How sweet it is. 25-24 Nebraska.
1: Penn State has Possession of the volleyball on match point for them in the fourth.
3: Served by Abby Dietering on
1: match point against middle swing, Brianna Holman, Doug. And the right side hitter and the setter tripped and fell over each other and the ball fell to the floor.
3: And then the setter trips and falls. It drops on the Penn State. shoot Tops are tied at 26.
1: I've never seen that before and probably never will again. And that was on match point for Penn State.
2: You almost felt like the team just took a deep breath, sigh of relief and it was almost like they knew at that point that they could win this match.
1: Dealing dug by Kenzie Nebraska. Left front, roll shot by Ani. It won't drop. And Jazz, swing by small lead block back. Cover, three ball back. What volleyball, Nebraska's got it. Right side swing, Jazz. dug over to
3: Nebraska's side. Bumped over right side, Jazz, sweet. Yes! 27, 26. Oscar Hart. On display. Big man by one. Nice off chest, Sweet bumps to left.
1: Ani all right gets another chance for the set. Roll shot. It won't drop. Everybody horizontal. Back row swing by Thielen. block back cover. Tip shot. It drops on Penn
3: State's own. Good My goodness. We're going to the fifth in Kansas City. What volleyball.
4: As soon as it got to the fifth set, we knew that we were a fifth set team and that we were going to pull out the win.
1: come a bad pass. Set, left, shot. Small only block back.
3: quick big red! sweet. Lawrence, Devlin. They're blocking better than cholesterol. 9 to 6 in the fifth, big red. Kelly chooses Fecky, left front. Big blast. The dig, counts off, and then it drops. 14-10. The Huskers going to get four chances. Nebraska's going to get four chances. Four chances. To win the national semi. Open serves high pass, jostling it. Gilly Holland! Call the grandkids! They did it! Nebraska fights back from the abyss and wins the national semi in five. 15 11. And yes, there will be a Saturday night. The Huskers. Take down Mighty Penn State, 15-11 in the fifth, But all these Housker fans can stick around till Saturday night. What a match.
5: Getting through that, it's like, okay, it doesn't matter who's left, because you get through that, you're thinking, this is ours. The belief level was incredible, and we... Pretty much crushed Florida.
3: She sails it across, passed by Ani. Kelly sets left. Becky, big rip, Block back. Nebraska once more. Kenzie bumps it over to Michaela Becky. She did it! Can you believe it? Oh, the grandkids. That's number five. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. issue. Three sets, one. on the Florida Gators. And 19,000 love it in Kansas City.
6: Welcome to Dreaming Bigger, the story of Nebraska volleyball. I'm your host, Ben McLaughlin. For decades, the Huskers have dominated the college volleyball landscape with countless conference titles, multiple championships, and having produced several Olympians. The Nebraska volleyball program has solidified its reputation as a national power. But before the Big Red became synonymous with success, Nebraska had to build from the ground up.
7: Paul Sandiford, who later became the women's basketball coach at Nebraska, he and I were were on the coaching staff at a small Methodist school in North Carolina, and Paul handed me two job announcements out of a wastebasket. One was for the University of Minnesota, and the other was for the University of Nebraska.
6: That's the voice of Terry Pettit, who would become Nebraska's second-ever volleyball coach. Pettit, an English teacher and volleyball coach at Lewisburg College, took the job notice, hopped in his car, and drove from North Carolina all the way to Lincoln to interview for the head coaching position.
7: I don't know that I was their first choice, and I went back to my parents' house in Northwest Indiana, and I got a call and was offered the position, and I took a couple days to make a decision about whether or not to take it because I wasn't sure at that point that I wanted to have the focus of my life be coaching. So when we came there, there was talent. The team hadn't been successful. You know, I think my first four or five years were about survival, just trying to win enough matches to keep my job until I figured out exactly what direction we were going. Even when I didn't know what we were doing, we still had success. We were still winning the conference, but that was mostly because nobody knew what they were doing. Before
6: long, though, Pettit had transformed Nebraska from a regional power into one of the best volleyball programs in the nation.
3: Tarnage puts it in play. The Brightonfield pushed to her knees. Left side stands back! National Champions! For the first time ever, the National Championship has a home in Lincoln, Nebraska. It took Coach Terry Pettit three tries, and on the third championship point today, the Huskers get it done.
6: Pettit was the man who got the ball rolling, but it was John Cook who built on all of that success. Long before Nebraska was ever on his radar, Cook was just a young kid growing up in Southern California.
5: So I was the firstborn, and basically, we had a very simple life. It was in Chula Vista, California, which is right on the Mexican border. My great grandmother, raised lemons back in the 20s, 1920s, she had homesteaded out there. So we lived, by By the time I was born, it was, wasn't was a lemon ranch anymore, but it was still some property and some orange trees, tangerine trees, lemon trees, and, and uh, anyway, so I had free reign of playing, running everywhere, and that we had a pack of dudes, and we rode bikes, played war games, football, basketball, baseball, and we did everything. So it was a Great way to grow up, and we. one thing I, I think would help me become a coach is we learned how to solve problems. We made our own rules. John Cook knew his playing days wouldn't last forever, so I wanted to try the next best thing. My senior year in college, I knew I wanted to go to coaching, and I met a coach at Coronado High School. His name was Gene Green, and I had just got my teaching credential, so I substitute taught, and he offered me a linebacker position coach. On the high school football team at coronado and they were bad they were last in the conference first year we went one one in ten i think the second year i was coaching defensive line and linebackers and the defensive coordinator got mononucleosis and was out for like six weeks so they moved me to defensive coordinator and you know you always look for things that happen but that year we won the conference first time in 36 years And then uh, got to go to the CIF playoffs. And and ironically, we played Lincoln High School. And on that team was Marcus Allen and his brother. So I had no plan how to stop him. But that's when I really fell in love with coaching and knew I wanted to be a football coach. Being on the beach in California, it didn't take long for Coach Cook to be introduced to the sport he'd soon devote his life to. At that time, I would moved down to South Mission Beach and was living there and met my wife who was playing volleyball at San Diego State. She was a senior, so I'm like, okay, what's this volleyball thing? And so I watched it, yeah, whatever, it was was cool. But we started playing beach volleyball down at South Mission, just go down there, play beach volleyball, drink beer, it was great. Anyway, we got really into it. So I I became addicted to trying to get good at this sand volleyball. During the time I was coaching football, I was substitute teaching, that's how I was making a living. And a school offered me a job and said, we're opening all these girls' sports, we'll give you a full-time teaching job, but you gotta coach all these girls' sports. And I'm like, okay, which ones? Basketball, no problem. Softball, no problem volleyball I go I know nothing about volleyball, indoor volleyball and uh, he said well we need you to coach all of those but I knew nothing about volleyball I had to go to clinics got books talked to my wife we were engaged and just about ready to get married when all this happened and um, first year we go to the CIF playoffs and of course this is the first time they've had any success I have no idea what I'm doing but I just coached them like football they cried every day but these girls loved it They competed really hard and we found a lot of success and it was a big deal for the school because women's sports now were successful, all of a sudden people start coming to the games and it became a big deal. They became big shots on campus and then about four years later we won the whole state. Then it just, it changed everything.
6: Through his early success, Coach Cook developed a winning reputation and eventually he caught Coach Pettit's attention.
7: We used to take our team in the 1980s over spring break and we would go to San Diego and stay at UC San Diego. John coached at a high school not far from USD, I think it was Francis Parker High School. And so he invited John over to see us train and practice and I believe we went down to Old Town in San Diego and had a conversation about coaching.
6: At the time, Cook had a successful club volleyball program in San Diego,
5: the first of its kind in the area. Pettit was impressed. We went out for dinner that night or something, and uh, he said, hey, why why don't we play your club team? So on the last day, we scrimmaged him, so that's how we kind of met, and we scrimmaged against the Nebraska team, and then about four months later, he called me up and said, hey, I got a job opening, you interested?
6: Cook didn't hesitate joining Pettit's staff. From there, he was able to learn firsthand under Terry Pettit, who at the time was
5: already a legend in the making. First of all, I saw he recruited athletes. So that that was for me as a young coach, okay, it's about getting athletes and then training them. Second thing was the discipline and how he trained. They were so disciplined and so structured in their training, you know, and again, a lot of my original Watching volleyball in San Diego was, was just seeing te- They would go in, roll the ball out, play, and you know there wasn't training going on. So that was another big impact. Coach John Cook spent a couple seasons
6: learning under Pettit at Nebraska. That opportunity eventually led to a chance to join the USA
5: Volleyball coaching staff, which he readily accepted. I love the USA team because the only thing that mattered was to win. So it was like coaching the NFL and the NBA. I mean, all that matters is, you know, do you win or you lose? And I love that. I love the pressure. I love you didn't have to deal with anything else. But coaching international volleyball didn't come without some difficulties for coach John Cook. The problem was I trapped my first year. I think I was on the road 200 days and I would be gone for a month at a time and there's no communication. There's no FaceTime, none of that stuff. So we made a decision like, okay, I've got to try to get out of this. And so I looked into college coaching women because that's where the opportunities were. And We had come back from the World Cup. This was on Christmas Eve. I got offered uh, Wisconsin and Arizona head jobs within 45 minutes of each other on Christmas Eve. I was ready to take Arizona, because I said whoever takes that job will be coach of the year in the Pac-10, and Wisconsin was gonna be a total rebuild. And my wife said, we're not moving to Arizona because I'm not raising my kids in the sand and the cactus and snakes. We're going to get a two-story house with a big yard and a big tree. So we went to Wisconsin. With the situation in Madison, Coach Cook learned firsthand all the challenges a program rebuild presented. We had to have a tryout because two years before I got there, the Steve Lowe, great coach, and he had actually worked with USA Volleyball Women. So I got to know him and he uh, passed away. So they had an interim coach or a GA actually take the program for a whole year where they wouldn't let her recruit. They graduated six seniors. So I inherited basically about five kids on scholarship, and there was nobody else. So we had to have trials. I mean, I think we got up to eight or nine kids that year at Wisconsin. I had to learn how to really coach. Talk about just you know, how to build a program, how to coach, how to hire, how to recruit, what's our niche, how are we going to compete in the Big Ten. I mean, you just had to figure everything out, and it was awesome. Meanwhile, Coach Pettit was several years into
6: his tenure as head coach of the Huskers. He was wildly successful, but he wasn't happy. Pettit was suffering from burnout.
7: I couldn't sit in a movie. I'd I'd leave a movie and be thinking about the third rotation. The good part of that is I was constantly thinking, what could we do better? But, you know, that's not a lot of fun for your family. Because of that, I would be exhausted. So we're, we're on top of the volleyball world, but I didn't want to wake up 15 years from then and find out I never followed a different path.
6: A few years into his tenure, John Cook was able to turn the Badgers into legitimate title contenders. So with Coach Pettit looking to leave the profession, Coach Cook became Pettit's ideal successor.
5: Cook just didn't know it yet. So in 1998, we played in the Coliseum in a regional final, and we were hosting the Final Four in Madison. If we would have won that, I probably could have ran for governor. (laughs) Seriously. Anyway, we lost in five to Nebraska heartbreaker. After that, we went out and our wives went with us. And he goes, hey, I'm, I'm going to retire. I want you to come back. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. Why are you going to retire? I mean, he was like 52 years old or something. I go, you're, you're so full of it. And his wife, Anne, who's awesome lady. And she goes, no, this is for real. I just kind of like, yeah, whatever. I just really didn't think much about it. And then Bill Byrne called me and then the wheels started rolling. So that was the probably the biggest thing and the plan that Coach Pettit had, which was, okay, you're going to come back for a year, be associate coach, and we're going to transition this thing so we don't miss a beat. So it was brilliant. I just I loved everything about it. Like, okay, these guys are thinking big. And and I remember going in, I met with Pat Richter, the AD at Wisconsin, twice. Once when I got hired and that last day. And I said, hey, Nebraska's offered me this. And he goes, yeah, I know they called me. And it was twice what I was making to come back. And he said, we're not, we're not going to get in a bidding war. I said, thanks. See you later. And that was it. The move came as a bit of a surprise.
6: John Baylor, who was and still is the play-by-play voice of Husker Volleyball, was taken aback by the move. Well, it was shocking. First of all, that Coach Cook would
1: give up a head coaching job at Wisconsin in the Big Ten for an associate head coaching job at Nebraska in the Big 12. And he took a lot of heat from Big Ten coaches who said, hey, you're demeaning our status when you relinquish this for that. It became fairly apparent that Coach Cook would take over, but when? I mean,
6: Terry Pettit was 52. He had built this monster, and why would he step away? The players, on the other hand, readily embraced the move, including Husker legend Nancy Metcalf.
8: So when he came in, I knew who he was, and I had a lot of respect for him as a coach and as a person, Um, but Coach Pettit, I think, did a really nice job of making that integration really seamless, and so... Coach Cook came in and Coach Pettit was giving him more more responsibility in practices and in games for practice planning and running practices and that kind of stuff. So the following year, when then Coach Cook took over, it didn't seem like a huge change. We had all known this was coming. Coach Pettit had talked to the team and said, I'm stepping down now. You know, I brought Coach Cook here to replace me, basically. And we had already built the trust with Coach Cook based on, you know, Coach Pettit's recommendation, but also based on that year of experience when he was the associate head coach. We all knew he could do the job and we knew what kind of a person he was and that he was a coach that we would want to follow.
6: Lindsey Peterson, then Lindsey Wishmeyer, a defensive specialist on the team, was also keen on seeing Cook take over.
8: I don't think there was any doubt
2: in any of the players' minds that we knew, so we were confident and comfortable with where the program was going and knowing there wasn't any question marks at the end of that season as far as what would lie ahead for us. We were well aware of the demands and expectations that Coach Cook would have for his program, and we were excited to See what, you know, see what happened as he moved forward in that position.
6: Pettit and the players believed in Coach Cook. However, not everyone shared
5: in that belief. It was my first press conference. I don't remember who asked it. And they said, hey, Coach, you have the lowest preseason ranking in the history of Nebraska volleyball. And we were 12th or 14th. And I said, I'll tell you what, if there's 12 teams better than us, it's going to be a hell of a year for Nebraska volleyball. And our players were sitting right there and they heard me say that. And I think that was the first thing that they're like, "Okay, this guy means business. He thinks we're good.
6: The Huskers were good. Coach Cook first realized this when they headed up to South Bend for the Notre Dame Invitational in early September. There, they faced off with the Fighting Irish, Michigan State, and UCLA. But it was against the Bruins where Nebraska found out what they were made of.
5: UCLA, I think, was ranked number one, and we got to the fifth game, and Angie Oxley went back and served about six points, blew it open, we won the fifth game, and that's when all of a sudden it all clicked, like, okay, we're legit.
0: John Cook, who coached seven years at Wisconsin, in his first year as the Nebraska head coach, and what a job he has done.
4: So many people thought that Nebraska was a year, maybe even two years away, they graduated five seniors from last year's team. Their star player, Nancy Maindring, decides to register, and lo and behold, at 33-0, John Cook has gotten his team back to the promised land uh, much quicker than anybody thought.
1: 2000 was a surprise. This was not one of the more talented Husker teams. I mean, Who was our big hitter? You know, who was gonna be the terminator in trouble? We didn't know. And so this was just a great collection of talent that was going to be competitive, but an undefeated season? Stunning.
2: We went into the season as underdogs. I don't think anybody really picked us to have a successful year, but we never saw ourselves as that. And we didn't let what the critics or media had to say affect how we played. We just really loved playing with each other and embraced each opportunity we had. And I think we just thoroughly enjoyed being in the gym with each other. So it was kind of upsetting. In fact, after we won it that year when we sat in the room afterwards talking, there was more of us upset at the fact that we weren't all going to play together again as opposed to being excited at the fact that we won a national championship. I mean, that was the type of team that that was. The
3: undefeated Nebraska Huskers poised to celebrate. Serving as Oxley. Into the middle, Livingston. This could be it. Sent to And he puts it up!
6: Cook had Nebraska consistently competing for national titles. In 2005, the Huskers came up just short of a championship, but the next season, the Big Red came prepared. 2006 was loaded. That was expected, especially after
1: how 2005 ended with the surprising three-set loss to Washington in the national championship. So that team in 06 was very motivated, like the 95 team, that the year prior had ended in heartbreak and disappointment, and a lot of those players were back. And that team, with all that pressure, shouldering all that pressure from day one, made it happen. That was one of the great accomplishments. A team that was expected to win did so over the long grind of a four-month season.
6: Lindsey Peterson, who was in her first year back at Nebraska as Director of Ops, was impressed by the 06 team as well.
2: The 2006 team, I think, was kind of similar to how our 2000 team was. I mean, there was definitely some very highly touted players on that team, but there had been some position changes. There was people playing some new roles on that team, and so I don't think the start of the season they were really favored going in. But I remember that team was very much a team that played for each other. They had a goal in mind. They knew Final Four was in Omaha. Yeah, there was a target on us to get there, and you could feel kind of the pressure of that, but yet they really embraced each other and embraced that challenge to get to that point, to be in Omaha, to try to play for a Final Four in Omaha.
5: Losing in 05, and then again, I, I made a couple big personnel moves we started a freshman setter. I moved Danny Busboom to libero and anyway, his is her senior year. She just set for a national championship in a 6-2 system. And I said, "Danny, I'm going to move you to libero because we didn't have a libero." And I'm going to go with Rachel at Sutter. and she got up. She said a couple bad words to me and walked out. And so Danny came in with a letter, and she read me this letter because she her mom said write everything down. And basically This is probably why we won the national championship and that team was so great, because she put the team before herself and said, I'll do whatever I can to help this team. And then, because of that, she became an unbelievable captain and the respect from her teammates to her was off the charts.
1: One of the absolute greatest moments of Nebraska volleyball occurred in an empty gym in Gainesville, Florida in the regional final against Minnesota. The Huskers were down two sets to love. The overwhelming favorites to win a championship were down two sets love in a neutral gym with a sold out Omaha arena awaiting them for the final four the next week. The pressure was immense. And that group somehow pulled themselves together. And they somehow, with all that pressure, not only won the last three sets, they won them handily. And then the
6: pressure was off. The Huskers had a monumental task ahead of them but they also had a tremendous amount of confidence. The night before the championship match, Nebraska huddled up and laid out what they needed to do.
2: We had our team meeting that night before, and we talked about the schedule for the next day and talked about what we needed to do, and that once you got to this point, it was all about going out and having fun and playing. There was just to play fearless, play free, and so after we all went to our rooms and we were getting ready for bed and getting situated I remember the text coming through that Danny Mancuso sent to coach saying dream big dream like a champion and that next morning you could just kind of feel the confidence within our team and that there's just a little bit of a personality about them that made me feel like we were gonna win that night.
5: And that really came from Danny Mancuso on that 06 team at 2:14 in the morning she texted because she knew I was worried about the match and she goes just coach dream like a champion tonight and she knew we had it.
3: Got to finish the comeback. Pass by Barbosa in the middle. Richards, ricochet control with the big red. Holloway, Paver, Game point! Good ten 30-28! Jump floater coming from Busbone. Four away for the Huskers. Pass on a good one by Stanford in the middle. Gerard she gets scored by Busbone. Backs at Pavern. Dug up, Kehoe. Set to the left front. Tip shot, Richards too high. Nebraska's got it. Outside, Syrup, have again. Yes! Can you believe it? 27-20 in the fourth. Richards got to get it in. Does. And it's passed by Schwartz. Outside set. Jordan Larson. Ball again, kids. They get it. Can you believe it? Nebraska National Champions.
6: Like Pettit before him, Cook had Nebraska Volleyball consistently contending for titles. However, that level of success didn't necessarily last.
0: Husker Sports Network Originals are presented by JTEC Construction, the official exterior experts of Husker Nation. Find out more about this great Husker partner at jtechconst.com. Now back to Dreaming Bigger, the story of Nebraska Volleyball. I really split his tenure into three stages. The first stage
1: is 2000 to 2008. You had the 2000 and 2006 championships. You had the 2001 Final Four. You had the 2008 magical season. You had the 2005 Final Four. So you had five out of nine years when you're in the Final Four. And you had Larson and Pavin and Stalls and Maindring, and it just loaded. And then you had 09 to 14, no Final
6: Fours and it was a tough time and that was stage two also like terry
5: pettit john cook could feel the pressure of the job weighing on him in 2009 i i hit the wall and i was ready to do something else and i couldn't get out of bed i just was it was just overwhelming for me and it was after that we had that great season in 08 and i'm just like it's never gonna get any better you know so it's like I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know how we can do it any better. And I had to really make changes physically, emotionally, and how I coached too. And I started just trying to enjoy the process a lot more and not putting so much pressure on myself.
2: Really, I think the biggest thing was, is John showed his leadership when he recognized that the type of athletes and the generation and how you coach these players was changing. And in order for him to be successful, he had to change. I think a lot of times, when coaches are very successful, they stay with what's worked. And for him to recognize that that change needs to be made, starting with him, I think says a lot about his coaching style, but also his leadership and just what a unique coach he is.
6: Caleb Banworth, who played for Coach Cook and is currently an assistant under him, had a front row seat to Cook's transformation.
9: Coach Cook has definitely softened up a little bit since I played for him. I think he's realizing the value of building relationships with his players, being really invested in them as people, and that sort of side of it to where he really invests in these young women. I don't know if he's just, it's just coming with you know, getting older or getting you know a little bit closer to retirement. I don't know, but to see that side of it is really cool.
6: The changes didn't end with just the head coach, though. Ultimately, the very venue where Nebraska volleyball was essentially built, had to change too. John Cook relented and allowed the change from the Coliseum to the Devaney Center to happen. However, he might not have ever agreed to it if it weren't for Coach Pettit and Nebraska Athletic Director Tom Osborne.
7: When he first became the head coach, and there was some talk in the early 2000s about going to the Devaney Center, I discouraged him not to. I said, you can't create the atmosphere. but. When Coach Osborne became the AD and said, "We have the resources to do this, so that it is an intimate atmosphere," my message to John was, "You've got to go ahead and do this." And and when he said, "Why?" I said, "Because if you don't, you're going to lose a couple generations of fans." We needed a venue that people wanted to be in, that players wanted to be in.
5: Moving to Devaney, you know, my first thing was when they announced the PBA being built, I said, well, if Devaney's not good enough for our basketball team, why is it good enough for volleyball? And 20 minutes later, I get a text from Coach Osborne, get your butt up to my office right now. I go up there, and I, I'm walking in, and his secretary, she goes, I've never seen him this upset. And I walk in, and his veins are popping out of his neck. And I'm like, Coach, what, what's up? <laughs> and he goes, I got these damn regents, <laughs> and..." We're trying to get this thing built, and we're trying to, you know, and you're telling us it's not good enough now, everything's blowing up. He goes, i got to go over and meet with these guys. I say, Coach, okay, there's seven things that have to happen for us to move. He goes, what are they? We wrote them down right there on a sheet, wrote them down. And he goes, okay, I'm going to the Regents. We got it all approved, and next thing you know, we're moving to Devaney.
6: The change paid off. Since they moved into the Devaney, the Huskers have sold out over 250 straight matches and counting, an NCAA record. Not long after their move, in 2015, the Huskers had made their way back to a championship level. And a pass by Kenton Maloney. Over the net, joust at the net. Controlled by Texas.
1: Bumps that left. made the big swing. Controlled by the Husker thing. Nebraska's going to get a swing. Outside, Kelsey B.
3: Off the block and off. They did it. Nebraska National Champions. Goal, Grand Kick! In 2015, the Big Red is best.
5: Kelly Hunter became the leader. She emerged into a great setter.
4: Yeah, so our whole goal that year of 2015 was Destination Omaha. And we had t-shirts made, and that was just our goal. And it's really special for the girls who are from Nebraska just knowing the culture. But every girl who comes here just becomes part of that Nebraska volleyball family, and they really start to understand it. So for every single person on our team, that was a huge goal. And then once we get there, there's thousands of Nebraska fans, like even for the other matches that were going on that we weren't playing just because Nebraska fans love volleyball. It's kind of like we were doing it for them as well, just like putting on a show for them and trying to make it just for the state and for our fans.
5: Typically, we try to have a game plan and I try to give her feedback, but tonight I said very little to her because I just felt like she was seeing it and she was in a rhythm and she was magical tonight setting the ball. And There were three All-American setters here this weekend Kelly's not one of them, but she's a national champion setter.
1: Both set left, shot by Neal, ricochet off the block, Huskers digger, now the Big Red set it up, Kelly Hunter, yes,
3: 9-8 Big Red, three in a row.
5: We had a great coaching staff, and Michaela affecting and Kenzie Maloney came in and said we're going to win the national championship as freshmen, so that's how cocky they were. <laughs> I'm like, you snotting those little freshmen, what do you do, you have no idea. But. backed it up.
1: Now Texas feeds it left. Shot, kneel off the block, controlled by Fecky. Now Nebraska, over to Fecky, can she do it again? Yes, she can!
3: 24-22.
1: Michaela Fecky and Kenzie Maloney and Kelly Hunter made that team so great because the three of them made sure that the chemistry on that team was going to be great. They were the hunter not the hunted. And John Cook is always at his best when he's the hunter.
2: He wants to go out and prove to people that we deserve. it, So kind of being the hunter rather than the hunted. I mean, when you're in the hunted, you have to be good all the time and there's a lot, there's a microscope on you and the hunter, it's just, you're fearless. You just play free and fearless and that's that's kind of how we, appro- we approached it too is when people don't really give us a lot of credit or feel like we are at the level or have the expectations that he might have of our team, it's almost like incentive or gives him drive have a really successful season to prove people wrong.
6: More than just having built a successful program, Coach Cook has provided a path for former Huskers to return to NU and give back to the team and the university that has given them so much. From players like Lindsey Peterson,
2: Having been a part of the program, I really wanted to get back to Nebraska and hopefully have an influence and impact on young women that like the same influence I was, you know, impact that I had as a player here. So I was wanting to be able to do that. And it just worked out that it opened up and I was able to get the job and come back and be a part of it.
9: To Kayla Banworth. He sets the standard really high for his assistant coaches. He wants us to be overachievers in the office and in the gym, teaches us those values that he instills in Nebraska volleyball, teaches us what it means to run a program, and everything, like little in and out or day in and out, things that he has to do every day he he's really great about teaching us and and we're fortunate to learn from him every day
6: and kelly hunter
4: yeah i feel really fortunate just seeing all of the assistants and i had a lot of assistants throughout my time but seeing how successful that they're becoming going on whether it's another assistant job somewhere else or a lot of head coaching jobs so coming through this program as a coach has a lot of weight and looks obviously really good on a resume so i'm really really fortunate to be a part of that
1: Well, it's no surprise that spending any time under John Cook makes you focus on what you do, care deeply about what you do, work harder probably than you ever would have expected you could, but if you get a chance to work for John Cook, you take it, as so many great young coaches have, because you know you're gonna be learning from someone who hasn't just done it for a while, who's done it over 27 years at two different schools, and all it's been is elite results.
5: Dream Like a Champion is, Everything we do in our program has to be championship level, from our bag tags to how we wear our jerseys to you know, how we watch video to our locker room. I mean, everything has to be at that championship level. So to me, that's what means dream like a champion.
6: In two decades of leading Nebraska volleyball, Coach Cook has won an incredible 88% of his matches, 13 conference championships, appeared in nine Final Fours, and won four national titles. His impact on volleyball is not only felt at NU and in the state of Nebraska, but in the sport itself. Coach Cook has shown no signs of slowing down, but when he finally does decide to hand over the reins, what will his legacy be?
4: I think Coach Cook's legacy will just be like producing girls who work hard and who get better every single year, and I think it's really cool to see how long he's been in coaching, but how willing he is to learn and how willing he is to grow. I think his legacy would just be a really hard-working guy who loves volleyball and wants to get a couple wins in the process.
2: When John walks away, it'll be similar to like Coach Osborne leaving football. He's taken a bunch of risks for the betterment of the program and it's worked. I mean, we've moved to Devaney. He is playing in a facility that sells out 8,000 people every night. I mean, his goals and expectations for this team he never doesn't set the bar higher each year and i think that's something you'll remember about him is every year he wanted to be better than he was the year before he wanted to do something bigger and better for the program for the state of nebraska for the university what what could we do and that was always his trademark when he steps away the players that played for him are gonna have had a four-year experience where they feel like they Grew as leaders but grew as women as well and were pushed to be the best in every aspect of their life not just on the volleyball court and i think that's something that stems directly from john is because he never settled for what wasn't the best
9: it'll definitely be a championship legacy someone who never settled for less than best effort best capabilities high demand high discipline but someone who like genuinely loved what he was doing and was really really invested in what he was doing and the people he was doing it with
8: I think he's built a tremendous legacy and he's the kind of person that is very deserving of it. And so I'm so happy to see him continue to have success. And it it makes me sad to think that he's almost done. I hope he's not. I hope he coaches for a long time, not only for the program, but for the players. You know, I think individual players who come in get to learn a lot from him. You know, he gives success to the program, but he gives these opportunities to these players and he's teaching so much. You know, there's no cutting corners. We're not going to Try and do something less than we can. not We're gonna try and do it all the right way and do our best every single time, every single thing we do. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for Coach Cook and I'm just so proud to have been able to play for him and to get to know him and, and now to call him a friend even when I'm not playing there anymore.
1: John Cook took something that was already great and built it to something even bigger. He followed a legend and became one himself. He outworked everybody everything was intentional and everything was fully considered everyone from the ticket takers to the lowly broadcaster to the student volunteers to the recruits to the applicants for assistant coach and of course anyone wearing the jersey or standing on the sideline during an actual game inherits that culture it's inspiring that's part of his legacy
6: when you think about everything that that's happened with volleyball in this state, the Olympians, the Devaney Center, the national championships. When people remind you of that, what do you think of,
5: of what you've built? I don't know. Just a uh, guy worked hard, cared about the program, and dreamed big. You know, dreamed big here, and the leadership has always allowed us to do that. And that's what Nebraska's is all about, I think.
0: The preceding has been a Husker Sports Network original, Dreaming Bigger, hosted by Ben McLaughlin, produced by Josh Hilkeman and Tim Curran, with assistance from Brett Whitty, Austin Orman, Brandon Grice, Alec Rome, and Sam Noonan. Additional audio is provided by ESPN and Husker Vision. Subscribe to Husker Sports Network podcast for more great episodes presented by J-Tech Construction.